0: speaker this morning this is not his first time on the city of lights uh stage to bring us the word but i'm so glad and blessed you know one of the great things about christmas time is being able to enjoy what god is doing with family and uh as many of you know when i came back here to indianapolis it wasn't just coming to plant a church uh alone but it was also a return to family and coming to birth family out of family and so it really is a a great joy and a blessing for me Uh, it's a great joy and a blessing for us as city of lights this morning to have my brother david owens bring the word can we show him some love thank you pastor john can you guys hear me yeah well good morning church Oh, come on, guys. Trish just went over this. <laughs> All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um Can we just give our worship team a round of applause? Yeah. Guys, we are so stinking blessed with talented worship leaders with incredible gifts. Um, we're very spoiled, and so um, I'm so thankful for them. And one of the things that's really cool is that we got to have our pastor also lead us in worship this morning. That's something that John operated in for like 15 years. And I don't know if you guys knew, I know you knew he could preach, but that dude can blow, he can sing. So um, it's always fun for me um, as his younger brother, but also now that he's my pastor, to watch him do that. But um, I'm so excited to be here today. It is such a blessing and an honor for me to be able to preach this morning. I remember some, like three years ago now, when John and Kelly were just deciding um, that they felt like God was calling them to to plant a church, and I was in New York at the time interning, um, thinking that that's kind of the route that I was going to take. And I remember John calling me and telling me and, and encouraging me to pray about how if God was calling me to partner with them, and that could have been something as simple as prayer, um, but to also see if I wanted to be a part of this launch team. And I remember during that time praying about it and sharing this with John, that Pastor John, that. God had kind of laid a word on my heart and he didn't just call me to partner in prayer, but he called me to be a part of the launch team. And not only that, but I felt like he was saying that in doing so and in learning from Pastor John, um, not just as my big brother, but as my pastor, that one day I would be able to share not just prayer with him and support him, but I would be able to share a podium with him. And so today that call comes to fruition and it's such a cool, cool blessing for me. So I love that. Um, It's a beautiful testament that God fulfills his word. Um, And so I'm excited, but I want you to be excited too, okay? So I promise that although, you know, John and I probably have some similarities. My mom always said that we were the bookends. She started and ended the same way. I promise that today will be a little different, okay? It's not just going to be like John. Like I said, we have similarities. We both love biscuits. We both have our joy, as as he often says. But I'm very different. For example, I have hair. So, um, uh, you know, I'm 24 though, so there's still time for me to lose it. So, you know, hopefully God uh, stays faithful to that. <laughs> but um, no, I, 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 it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited and, uh, to, sh- to share with you this morning. Um, so the passage that we're going to continue preaching out of today, we're continuing our The Lightest come series. I'm going to be preaching out of John 1, uh, John chapter 1, verse 9. And it says this. Well, that's not John chapter 1, verse (laughs) 9. It says this, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning, um, as I get the honor... To speak your word, Lord God, that uh, you will lead me with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and anoint my words this morning so that I can best encourage our people here today, Lord God. I pray that as we study your word and hear what you have spoken to us, Lord God, that we will leave here with a better understanding and full of thankfulness of the gift that was repentance and salvation through the, resur- through the rejection and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Thanks, Zach. So So, we're in the middle of the holiday season, right? Um, But one of my favorite holiday traditions comes at the beginning of the holiday season. That's with Thanksgiving. Uh, Every year, my brothers and I participate in a turkey bowl. Does anybody do a turkey bowl? you raise your hands? I'm going to try and get you guys going so nobody does a turkey bowl. Oh, my God. Um, Okay, does anybody do the, what is it, the uh, turkey dash or the run before Christmas or Thanksgiving? You you guys are so inactive. <laughs> we got to pray for that. All right, I can't I can't really talk, but we got to pray for that. Um, but anyway, so every year my brothers and I we do a turkey bowl, and what that is that's just a football game the morning of Thanksgiving, and we've been doing this tradition for about someone like ten years, probably more than ten years actually, um, and we get together with a group of guys usually at a high school football stadium, and we play, and it's pretty intense. We're very competitive. And the way we pick teams is kind of like you, you know we did in elementary school at recess. You have two captains, and then the captains pick, you know, who they think is best, and then ultimately there's a person who is picked last. Really, it's not. Shouldn't it be called pick last. They're just left over for the person who had the last pick. They don't choose that person. They're just forced <laughs> to keep that person. Now, luckily. I'm actually pretty good at football. Like, uh, I grew up playing football. I love sports. I played a little bit of rugby in college. And so usually I don't ever have to worry about being the last pick. I don't have to sit in the fear of waiting and hearing all these name called, names called and not hearing mine called. But, like I said, I played rugby in college. One of the consequences of rugby was that I fractured my back when I was in college. And so I have a horrible back. Like, legitimately, when I go see my back doctor, which I do frequently, um, he just laughs at my x-rays. He's like, man, you're 24 and you have the back of a 76-year-old. So I don't have a great situation there. Um, Praying for healing on that, please join with me, but, um, but, so I have a bad back. And so now, because I have a bad back, I have to question whether I'm good enough to participate in this turkey bowl at my full potential. So when they're picking teams, I'm no longer super confident that I'm gonna be one of the top picks. Now I have to start ranking myself amongst the other guys there trying to figure out where I'm gonna be picked. So generally Judah, who was leading worse this morning, he's actually really good at football. He's almost always the first pick. And so I'm like, okay, Judah's probably gonna be the first pick. I won't be picked before him. And then there's this guy and that guy. And I'm like, then there's me, then Pastor John. And then uh, it's like somewhere in that range. Um, hey man, I'm just saying how it is, but uh, um, but. I usually don't have to worry about being the last pick. And to make it even a better situation, the captain this year was my other brother, Ephraim. I have a lot of brothers, if you couldn't tell. Um, Three of them are also in the story. So um, Ephraim's the captain. So we start to pick teams, right? And Judah goes first, like I expected. Some other guys go. I'm like, oh, that's reasonable. Those guys are really fast. I am not. Um, And so they're going, and then... Six people go, and seven people go, and then John goes. and I'm like, what? I'm better than John. I, I, don't, I was like, what is going on? And lo and behold, at the end, there's just me and some random guy who does not look like he knows how to play football. Um, and I'm like, okay, this sucks, but my brother Ephraim is picking. He's already picked Judah and John. He's going to pick me. It's Thanksgiving, for God's sake. And... <laughs> I need his help here. This guy can't even catch a football, doesn't even know what a football is, and he's gonna pick me. And I was shocked, because he did not pick me. I was the last pick in our Turkey Bowl this year. And although I could talk about this jokingly, it did not feel good. It really sucked, actually. And after Ephraim didn't pick me, he said something and laughed to the captain who was forced to take me onto his team. He laughed and he said, good luck with that back. I was like, okay. To be honest, my back was hurting at that point. But said, good luck with that back. And that really sucked for me, because my own brother, who I love, and I thought loved me, didn't pick me because of a specific weakness that I had. There was a specific weakness that prevented me from being picked by him. And if I'm being honest about my faith this morning and my walk with Christ, there are times and there are seasons when I fear that Jesus or that God will do the same thing. I fear that my weaknesses are too many and that Jesus just won't want to pick me. I fear the rejection of God. So today we're going to talk about rejection. It's a fun, fun subject. (laughs) So get excited. We get to revisit all of those horrible, horrible memories. Um, you know, I, I, it's pretty obvious, I think, that we are constantly looking for acceptance and approval, right? In the world today, I think we're always trying to win someone's approval or affirmation. That might be, and it's not always bad, but generally we have this effort to do that. That might be your parents, it might be your boss, um, it might be a coach might be your brother who's the captain of a turkey bowl game. Um, it might be, and this is probably the biggest one today, the approval of the ever-growing realm of social media, right? We're constantly, constantly seeking acceptance. But I don't think we're driven so much by our desire for acceptance. I think we're more so driven by our fear of rejection, right? Because, and the reason that is, is because we carry rejection with us. You know, I've been accepted and affirmed by people and groups throughout my life more times than I can count, but I can tell you just about every time that I've been rejected. Genuinely rejected. And that's because rejection often leaves a mark. Right? We carry it with us and we remember it when we're faced with a similar circumstance. You know, for me, What that looked like was in high school, uh, you know, John and Judah were just leading worship, I lead worship, super musical family. In high school, I was all about music. I was in choir, show choir, I had a band. And I remember when I was just getting into music my freshman year, and I know people had been like, oh, you're good, man. Yeah, you're good. I was like, okay, I'm pretty good. Uh, And so I tried out for a solo freshman year. And I didn't work that hard, but people had told me I was good. So I figured I was the best person in this group of 10 guys, and I would get the solo. So I try for the solo, and I don't get it. And I was devastated because this thing that I thought I was good enough was rejected and turned down, and I knew that I didn't have what it took. So from that point on, I was just like, no, I'm going to be the best here. I'm going to be the best. Everyone will know me, David Owens, as the best singer at Carmel High School. I will get every solo that I auditioned for. I will get every part that I auditioned for. I will be in all of the best show choirs. And so that's what, that's what led me. It was this pursuit of being the best. And that's one of the ways I think we respond to rejection, right? There's generally two ways that we respond to rejection. That's the first one, this pursuit of perfection. We're rejected, and so we try to become perfect so that will never, ever happen to us again, right? And we get in this cycle of trying to beat out everyone around us, trying to be better than everyone around us. But we're caught in an impossible task. We're trying to pursue perfection in and of our own strength, which cannot happen. The other thing that we do is we kind of just check out. You know, this is, this looks like uh, when our fear of rejection paralyzes us, it paralyzes us to the point where we just don't throw our hat in the ring at all. We say, you're going to reject me, so I'm not even going to come. I'm not even going to try. You know, it might look like Next year, and I keep bringing up this turkey bowl thing because it hurt, and it left a mark. Um, but next year, going to the turkey bowl, knowing that there's a chance that I may be picked last again and remembering how bad it, might, it felt, I might just not go. I just won't show up. If I don't show up, you can't pick me last. I take myself out of the equation. Or maybe, you know, you want to interview for a job that you really want, but you don't believe you'll get it, so you just don't even apply. That's checking out. And I think those are the two ways that we generally respond to rejection. A pursuit of perfection or checking out and everything in between. And this applies to our faith, right? This is not reserved for our personal life. You know, we see it in our faith time and time again where on one end some people might feel the only way you can truly be accepted by God is if you never mess up, right? If you perfectly obey the law, if I go to church every Sunday, if I go to city group, if I go to mass or whatever it might be for you, if I read my Bible three times a day and pray every night, I will be, my perfection will lead me to Jesus approving of me. And that's what we're trying to earn. We're trying to earn God's God's approval. The other way is maybe you just don't believe you're good enough. You believe the lie that man, Jesus doesn't want me. Even if I I wanted Christ, like I'd mess it up. I know I always mess things up. I mess everything up. So I'm not going to try. I'm going to run from God and avoid him so that he can't reject me. We carry our fear of rejection and it prevents us from receiving the gift that God has for us. And the same was true, right, for all those people who walked when Jesus was walking the earth, right? And the verse that we read it said he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They ran from him. They missed the point. But I've got some good news. I knew I, this is, I said this was going to be kind of depressing, but I've got good news, guys. All right? You guys ready for some good news? All right? Even though we might not have received him, it said we came to his own and we did not receive him. Even though we might not have received him. And even though we did not pick him, he picked us, right? That's good news. He picked us. He picked you, he picked you, and he picked you. He picked uh, those three people. That was it. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Um. No, he picked all of us. He picked us when we didn't pick him, right? And not only that, the craziest thing, The thing that just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever is that he picked us even when he knew and anticipated that we would reject Jesus. He picked us even though he knew and anticipated rejection. How do we know this? Well, we can look in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 3, says this. This is referencing Jesus. It says he was despised. And rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was cursed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That was written in Isaiah some 700 odd years before Jesus ever came, before God sent the light. So he knew that he would reject. That, that's so crazy. If I ever knew that I was going to be completely rejected, not alone beaten and abused and chastised and all of those things, but even if I just knew I was going to be rejected, I would never show up. I would never willingly walk into rejection and I doubt many of you would either. But God and Jesus willingly sent the light, Jesus Christ, to us, knowing that he would be rejected. That just confuses me, so why, why did he do that? And we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about some of the reasons why Jesus willingly came and was rejected. First, we're going to look in the Word, though. So we were in 53, Isaiah 53, but if we just take it back a little bit, we go to Isaiah 42. And this is just before that where God's talking about why he sent Jesus. And what it says is this. It says, I am the Lord. I have called you, Jesus, in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So, why did he send us? Why did he send Jesus even though he knew we rejected? Well, he sent Jesus as a covenant, right? And I think a lot of times we think of the covenant, if you're familiar with the use of covenant in the Bible, we think of it as like the marriage covenant, like we're the bride. He's the groom. But in this case, what God is talking about, and it's so, so stinking beautiful, what he's talking about when he's talking about the covenant, and you break it down in its original context, he's saying he sent Jesus with a means of legal adoption. As we see it in John, it says he came so that we could receive the right to be called children of God. So Jesus came in the face of all that, Bearing a gift for us. What was that? A legal adoption. A covenant that would give us the right to become children of God. Well, why do we need to be children of God? Right? We're doing so well on our own. We're just doing great. Started yoga last week. I eat yogurt a lot. Um, Well, what else does that passage say? It says that we were blind. It says that we were in bondage. And that we were sitting in darkness. That's what our actions led us to. That's what us doing it our way led us to. It led us to be being blind, in bondage, and in darkness. And so Christ came because we couldn't do it on our own. And as much as we might not want to hear this right now, Christ came because we weren't good enough. We weren't good enough. I know that might seem like kind of awkward to say right now and not a good idea. It's like you're trying to encourage a bunch of people. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. But he is. Right? You know, there's this. And honestly, we're not good enough, but he is. But honestly, (coughs) we know we're not good enough. Right? Right. I think, we, you know, I talked about how we respond to rejection, how we carry it with us. But I didn't talk about why we fear rejection. Now, I believe the reason why we fear rejection is because rejection would only confirm what we already know, that we're not good enough. It would confirm what we already know, that we're not good enough. And we saw this. When Jesus came to the world, people weren't saying, people were asking for a savior. They 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 knew they were waiting for the savior to come. People in darkness, in bondage, waiting for a savior. So why would you reject Jesus when he comes with a covenant to make you children of God? Well, because he didn't look the way we wanted him to look. Yeah. Yeah. There's this show that uh, I watched recently on Netflix called Iron Fist. I don't know, have, who's, anybody watched Iron Fist? Marvel fans. Um, I believe Jesus has anointed the Marvel universe <laughs> over DC. I'm just I'm just speaking from the spirit right now. Just bring it down, Lord. Um, An Iron Man said, um, "No, but there's a move. There's a show called Iron F- Iron Fist, and the premise of the show is a beautiful illustration of what we're dealing with right here, right? So there's the main character named Danny Rand, and when he was a kid, his dad was one of the richest and most powerful men in the world. He ran Rand. Inter- that's a weird. Word. He ran Rand Enterprises." And while he was a teenager, him and his parents in their bougie jet um, are flying over the Himalayans. And tragically, their plane crashes and their parents die, and his parents die. But he miraculously survives. And so for years, he's taken in by some like monks or something like that. Um, and for years, he survives in the Himalayans and then finally makes his way back to New York, where he promptly... Goes straight to Rand Enterprise's giant skyscraper in the middle of the city, and he walks in with his picture of his dad right in the main lobby. And he says, They ask him who he is, and he says, I am Danny Rand. That is my father. And they quickly scoff at him, laugh at him, and throw him out. Well, why'd they do that? He came in wearing rags. He was in the Himalayas with monks. He came in wearing rags and no shoes. And they were like, Surely this is not Danny Rand and they threw him out of the building of the company that his father built. Not only did his father built it, he legally owned that company, and they threw him out of the building. And we see the exact same thing here in John, chapter one. He came to his people. They were, they were made through him, of him, but they did not know him, so they did not receive him. So often, God wants to bless us and give us so much, like sonship and being a daughter of God but we don't receive it because he doesn't look the way we wanted him to look or that blessing doesn't come the way we wanted it to come right at that time Jesus came they were looking for a a warrior a savior and he came as the bastard son of a teenage girl living in poverty and a carpenter that's not what they wanted but that's how God sent it So we were not enough, and we are not enough, but Jesus is. You see, we cannot take on our sin and rejection by ourselves in and of our own strength. We can't earn our way into being a son and daughter of Christ, into a covenant. We can't avoid God in some way, some backwards, figure-eight, back-alley you know, maneuver, find a way to walk in the light while also running from God. Can't do it. It will only lead us to darkness. So God sent Jesus. And even though he knew he would be rejected, well, he sent him because he had to be rejected. Because we were running and carrying our fear of rejection. And however however long we did that, we were never going to find Christ. And we were never going to receive him. So he sent Jesus, who was blameless, and strong enough so that he could take that off of us. He was rejected so that we could share, so that we could have acceptance. Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted. He came when we were in a dungeon, bound and broken and sitting in darkness, and he rescued us. He made a way. He lit a path for us to be sons and daughters of God. Now that's really, 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 really important. And John was talking about it at the end of the worship, that Jesus rescued us, right? I think a lot of times, because we want to take ownership and be the lords of our own lives, we view our relationship with God as we came to Christ, right? I mean, we even say that. I mean, like, it's not like a taboo thing to say, I'm like, I came to Christ. But that's kind of wrong in a way, because the picture that that draws is that we were sitting in a dark dungeon. And we saw a far-off, dim little light, and we walked towards it, and we found Christ at the end of the tunnel. But that is not what happened. That is not how God works. It was a rescue mission. He came to us, right? We had no light. It was completely, it was true dark. It was true black. It was completely dark, and he brought the light to us. And it's important that we think that way, because if we don't, the way we interpret it is that God sent his son, Jesus, the light of the world, to be rejected and to, be, to face grief and shame and to be beaten and killed so that we would love him. But that's not what happened. God sent his son, Jesus, the light of the world, to be rejected, to carry our rejection, to carry our grief, to face our consequences, and to pay our penalty because he loved us. No, that's great. Give him some praise. Say thank you, Jesus. Because he loved us. It's like the song. We're familiar with this. We say it all the time, but we don't believe, believe it. I am weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loved me. It's the song. We sing it. It's because he loved us that he came and sent the light. Not so that we would find our way to him. He came to us. That's so important, guys. He came to us. Sending Jesus to be rejected. Why? So that we could share in his resurrection. Now, in John, what does it say? It says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we might believe that. We might say, okay, God sent Jesus to rescue me. I was in darkness and in bondage, and he sent Jesus to take on my rejection. Well, how? Well, then what do I do? Do I just acknowledge that? Well, no. There's a step. It says to all who received him. We have to receive Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, the first step of receiving Jesus is repentance. He was rejected so that we could respond in repentance. That's good. And I think, and I really want to say this because I think we oftentimes look at repentance as this really negative thing, right? We're, you know, sharing our dirty laundry or whatever it is. We have to talk about all of our failures or where we don't match up. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance is an incredible and beautiful gift of grace an opportunity, which we didn't have before Christ came. He came so that we had the option to recognize our sins and not still dwell in darkness, so that we had the option when God shined his light on us, when we were in a dungeon, we didn't have to retreat to the darkness, right? When you sit in darkness for a long time and somebody turns on the lights, what do you do? You close your eyes, or you go like this. Maybe you like scurry to a corner where there's a shadow. If you're a rat, I guess, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But that's really, I mean, that's how we respond to being in darkness and light being shown on. We retreat. We're like, oh, I'm not ready for this. It's too much too soon, Jesus. You don't have to save me. Just, you know, talk to me a little bit. Um, No. We get to respond in repentance instead of retreating in rejection. All because he sent his light to be rejected. I'm not even using my notes. I'm getting out of place. It's important that we recognize that. Because in order to take that first step, we have to do this, guys. It has to happen. But it's okay, because it's a beautiful thing, like I said. It feels good, to be honest. That's why, we, that's why a lot of people go to therapy, stuff like that. It feels good to get those things off your chest. And he wants to receive them And not only does he want to receive them, he wants to take on the burden of them. He wants to wear your rejection so that you don't have to fear it. And when we face rejection, excuse me, when we when we repent, after then, after that, we can receive God. And it's really, really, really easy and simple. It just says all you have to do is recognize that Jesus died for your sins. It's that easy. Want to have the worship team come back up. All we have to do is repent and recognize that Jesus died for our sins. It's easy. It can happen in 10 seconds. A lifetime of living in darkness and struggling and bondage and blindness can be traded, exchanged for freedom and light and joy and happiness and power and strength with repentance and a recognition that Jesus died for our sins. And just imagine, and I want to make this clear, I, I don't know if some of you, I know there are a lot of Christians in this room, I know there are probably very few of us who actually aren't actively Christians. This message isn't just for people who haven't come to Christ. I cannot tell you how many times, even though I'm trying to walk in the light, I'm doing my best, how many times I take a little step to the right and lean into the darkness and make a mistake. I cannot tell you how many times the enemy wins out and tells me I'm not good enough and I believe him. And so then I reject myself and I stay away from God because I'm afraid of what he has to say to me. I cannot tell you. This is like... I'm 24. It's like 20 years of my life where, and my parents were great. They introduced me to Jesus before I was even born. But I cannot tell you how much of my life I tried to earn Jesus' acceptance because I feared so desperately that he would be rejected. I used to say to people, I'd be like, man, I just want to be, and this isn't like bad, like I'm not like, but I was just like, man, I want to be the best tool that God can have. And the way that people might have heard that and be like, oh, that's really cool. You're really aspiring to be a a true son of God. But the way I was doing it is, no, I want to do everything really, really well so that God picks me because I fear that if I don't sing really well or lead worship really well or know the Bible really well or can heal people or things, like, I feared that God would not pick me, that when I died, I would go to heaven, I would go to the gates, and God would say, nah, you're not good enough. You got a bad back. I'm like, you're supposed to heal. Me. Um, just let me in, it'll heal. I promise. No, um, oh, we fear that. That's, this is for all of us. Because every day we have to choose to walk in the light. Every day that we choose to sit in darkness and in bondage and to believe the lies of the enemy we participate actively in the rejection of Jesus Christ. So the first step is repent. Recognize Jesus and what he did, and then begin to walk in the light. And try your best not to walk in the dark. And just imagine if we did that as a church, what we would see. If we recognized that he was rejected so that we could share in his our resurrection, share in his resurrection. We recognize that he was rejected so that we could respond in repentance, and that he was rejected because it was required for us to become rightful sons and daughters, and that he picked us. If we recognize all of that and respond and begin walking in our calling, yes. the calling that is on this church, the calling that is on each and every one of us independently. Just imagine the impact that that would have on our city. The light that would shine in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our households, or whatever it might be. The impact would be incredible. We would shine in the darkness. Yes. So right now, as the worship team plays a song, because it would just be ridiculous if we didn't do this, after talking about it this way. The worst of me is gonna play a song, I'm gonna ask the prayer team, and you should know who you are. A couple of you guys will come stand on this side, and a couple of you guys will come stand on this side. And as we play this song, if you have never had the opportunity to receive Jesus, if you feel like you are sitting in darkness and in bondage, you feel like you can't do it on your own anymore. It's just not working. The more you try, the the further down in the hole you get. Do not leave here today without going and finding one of these people on the side and praying with them. They will help you find the light because that's one of our jobs as well. That's why we shine, right? If there's a dark room and somebody's looking for the light, the more of us that are shining, it's going to be easier for that person to find the light. And, you know, darkness doesn't just always work like, there's a dark room and then there's a laser beam of light, right? It's like a dim thing. I don't know what that's called, right? One light shines and the whole room illuminates a little bit. Might not be the brightest room in the world, but it's a little bit. And then somebody else shines and the room gets a little bit brighter. And somebody else shines, the room gets really, really bright. And then suddenly, we're all shining. So that's what we're here for. If you're feeling in bondage, and even if if you've given your life to Christ, and you just feel like you're wrestling with some things, and you are struggling to stay, on that, stay in the path of, of light, the, the path that Jesus has lit for you, still come and get prayer, that's what we're here for. We are a family, we are a church family. No one has to be alone, no one has to sit in darkness. Not a single person, not anybody in this room, not anybody in this city. It, God is really that great, guys. God's not only great enough, to transform this room, this city, he's, he's gonna transform the world. Yes. And I'm not I didn't say he can transform, he's going to transform the world. Right? He's proclaimed it. And so we're just we just get to participate. So the band's gonna play, worship team come up, or excuse me, uh, prayer team come up and stand on the sides. And if you are ready to receive the best gift. you could ever receive. Freedom and light and hope, joy, and every other good thing. Today is the day. Don't wait. Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't retreat. He picked you, and he already did it. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.